Welcome to the Novant Health Inside Remarkable podcast, an inspiring glimpse at how 30,000 team members are building, creating, and delivering Remarkable every day. I'm Lindsay Hawkins, and today I have a really exciting episode for you. Dr. Tom Jenicki is a Senior Vice President and Chief Human Experience Officer for Resiliency and Leadership Development. Dr. Jenicki is leading the way both here at Novant Health and in healthcare with his work to tackle burnout. And this all started with his experience. Here's Dr. Jenicki with his story. I was probably um, influenced most by my family. So I come from a family that has a lot of healthcare in its background. The closest view I had was my dad, the difference he made in people's lives. I saw what he did, I admired him for that, I admired his hard work um, and what he had created and just the great outcomes that, that he, he walked in every day with stories of literally saving people's lives and I thought, well, what's cooler than that? When I um, started my practice, um, with Novant, I started practice and, and really started from scratch. So I was really excited to build my own practice. And I also, it was, um, I would call it uncomfortable when I wasn't busy. Like when I started, I had no patients, like zero patients. And it was a little uncomfortable saying, I'd done all this training and now I had no one to, to practice my craft on to connect with. So one of the things that I started to do to help myself be successful was that I was um, deeply um, accommodating to my patients, deeply connected to them. I'd spend a lot of time with them. I would call them after hours. I would literally do house calls. I would do everything I could to get them to really um, have an awesome experience with me. That really worked in building my practice. and. What, what, what happened was I got very, very busy and those expectations that I had set for my patients and for myself, uh, I couldn't continue to meet them as I got busier and busier. Early on success was um, getting a full schedule and having people love me. Like, I know that sounds kind of interesting, but that's, I wanted my patients to love me and I wanted to have a full schedule. Um, part of the thing I learned from my dad was he was so committed to work. I looked at him up on this pedestal and I was never really close to him because he was always working. Um, I think for a long time I was trying to um, gain his approval and have him be proud of me. And because he loved medicine so much, I thought, well, he'd love it if I became a doctor too. So I have, I'm married. I have, at this point, my son was born about six months before I started my practice. My daughter came along 20 months later. So as I was really starting to grow my practice and get really busy and be really committed to coming in early, staying late, um, what it looked like at home was I would often leave my house before my kids woke up and I would often get home after they were fed and sometimes even after they went to bed. So I, it wouldn't be really uncommon for me to go multiple days without seeing my children awake. One of the, the kind of moments that I realized that this is not working for me was 
I had a couple patient experiences where, you know, the reason I went into medicine and primary care specifically was for the, the relationships and the connections. And I had these patients who really, really cared about me. And they would come in and say like, are you all right? Like they would ask me if I was all right. That was a little bit alarming. And then I started noticing that I was getting, as they were telling me how awesome I was, I was getting less and less satisfaction and fulfillment for that. It was almost like, okay, check, next patient. So the very thing that often sustained me was this relationship and this feeling of gratitude. I was losing that. And there was a couple moments where I was like, man, this is, this is not good. And then lastly, I think when my wife um, shared with me that she felt like she was at the bottom of her of my priority list behind all of my patients and my kids, um, that was a moment I thought, okay, well, this is probably not sustainable. I need to do something about it. If you drop a frog in boiling water, it hops right out. If you put a frog in room temperature water, he's like, oh, this is nice. I'm gonna swim around in here a bit. And then as you start to turn the water temperature up a little bit at a time, the frog acclimates to the, to the warmer water. And once you get it really hot, the frog just doesn't never jump out, it just cooks. So I think that was what it was like for me. It was that it was a slow burn. Uh, we don't complain. We don't show that we're weak. We don't want to uh, act like we can't handle it. So all those feelings I had of it, the temperature getting hotter, um, I typically never talked about them. I never, I tried to ignore them and I certainly wouldn't tell my colleagues about them. So it was a, uh, a gradual process. And I think I had moments of questioning like, I don't think I can do this for another 30 years. I like to think of, of things that heat up the water, I think of it in two different buckets. There are things that I like to refer to as what I'll call external forces, things that are acting on me. So certainly uh, there became more and more demands on me from, you know, just medicine had changed. The electronic health record showed up, that, that's an ex external force that heated, that turned the temperature up. Um, my patients had different expectations. Now. They can message me at every time, any time. The other part of the way that the, the temperature gets turned up is what I like to call the, the internal stuff. So what I, what I contributed to the heat. Now I, I could not see this at all the time. Just even part of the medical culture is, you know, give till it hurts. There, I, I, I took a sense of pride when I was the first car in my office parking lot in the morning. You know, when I was the last one to leave, I was like, wow, look at me. Look how committed I am. A little sense of pride. And then of course, I got home and my family was either gone or in bed. Like, well, the pride didn't really last very long, but it was just kind of this model of, certainly from what I learned from my father and just from other physicians in general, that just seemed to be the way to be uh, respected and be successful. A lot of it was my stuff. Like, I have to be perfect. I have to make them all like me. I have to be accessible all the time. Those are all, that's all me. No one told me that, that was in my head. And I think what the breakthrough for me was, um, I started seeing an executive coach 
and for the very first time could see that I was playing a role in the water temperature getting turned up. That was the beginning of me really seeing how a, a new path forward was. I could still be successful, but with much less pressure on myself. And I could learn to say no to things that, that really I didn't need to say yes to and that weren't giving me any joy or fulfillment. That was a huge moment of empowerment to say, I don't have to say yes every single time. So that coaching went on for about six months or so. And when I finished that, I walked away with a new sense of, of clarity of re-reminded of why I went into healthcare. Really going back to the core of why I went into healthcare to connect with people, to inspire them, um, what was most important to me. So of course my patient care was important to me, but I had to be re-reminded that what's most important to me was my relationship with my family. Certainly my family started to notice that I was more present. Like at one point, and this is gonna sound funny in one hand and sad on the other. At one point, my daughter, who was probably 12 or 13 at the time-ish, probably 12, she asked me why I was home for dinner so much. And she's like, why are you here so much? And she literally thought that I must have lost my job. And, you know, in a way, we kind of laughed about it. No, Sophie, I didn't lose my job. And on the other side, it was heartbreaking because she, the conclusion she drew was that if I'm home, I had been showing her for so long that my job was the most important thing to me, that the only reason I could be home was that I must have lost my job. If you look tired, I would hear that a lot. I didn't hear that as much anymore. Um, I didn't sleep very well when I was in this pattern. I would wake up in the middle of the night and be thinking about the next day. So I started sleeping better, just feeling more relaxed. So my time away, from work was truly more time away from work. I met with Carl Armato and I said, do you think other physicians are feeling this way and do you think it would be valuable for us to do something for our physicians proactively? And he said, absolutely. He said, um, I have physicians calling me all the time telling me how much compassion fatigue they have. If you could do something proactive, I'm all for it. So that was the beginning of Novant's commitment to start to do something more proactive in terms of resiliency and well-being. The very first thing we did was to create a pilot program uh, that became now known as the Novant Health Leadership Development Program. We did a three-day retreat that was started back in 2013, and now here we are six years later and almost um, almost a thousand people in our company have been through that program. I thought would be good. I thought would be enlightening. What I was not prepared for was the really deep impact it made for people. I wasn't expecting them to say that was the best program I've ever had. That was the most impactful thing I've ever done as an adult. I didn't expect them to say that saved my marriage. I didn't expect them to say that saved my career. In some cases, that saved my life. Carl and I met again and he said, I'm not exactly sure what you're doing, but could you do it again? 
<laughs> and that's how we started to gain momentum. We really want people to um, stretch their awareness of themselves. How are they really experiencing their life in the current state? Like what is really working for them? What's causing them great satisfaction? What's creating joy and fulfillment? And what parts of their life, professionally and personally, is not working to the degree they, they want to have? And then we get them refocused on what's most important to them. So of course their, their professional life and what they do professionally is important, but what's, what are the other things that are important and what's most important? I think if I look back, there's a time when I would have said, everything is most important, which of course means that nothing is most important. This journey is not easy work, but it's highly valuable work. I work just as hard as I did when I was doing the old model, but I have a I, I have different emotions than I used to have. I used to have worry, angst, pressure, frustration, and now certainly there's times when I feel things like that, but mostly I feel joy, fulfillment, gratitude, and pride. So my life's a lot better. Thank you, Dr. Jenicky, for being so open and authentic about your story. I think we all can learn a lot from it. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Novant Health Inside Remarkable. For more remarkable stories, visit iConnect today.